We are going to uh, continue our series on kingdom building, as we've been talking a lot about revitalization. Just a quick uh, overview of where we've been. We looked at the church in Sardis in Revelation and saw that warning to be watchful, to be on guard against drift from the gospel. Uh, We saw how we need to fight the flesh by walking in the spirit and bearing spiritual fruit. We do that by reminding ourselves of the gospel. Uh, The life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That's how we live. That's how we walk. Uh, And then we looked at uh, how to persevere under pressure, persevering in, in faith and hope and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. Because Jesus is worth it. And then we looked at Jesus' prayer for unity in John 17 for all of his followers and, and saw how our ability to reach our community will always be directly tied to the measure of our unity. Our unity speaks to our, our community about what is most important to us, what unites us, what brings us together. And it's a testimony to the gospel. Last week we saw in 1 Corinthians 12 how God has Uh, desires to build his church through the diverse ministry of all of his people. All of his people using their various gifts toward a common mission. A common mission. And there's lots of need around here. In fact, one thing that was really encouraging was last week after the service, we made no announcements about needs for nursery or children or anything. And I was out by the front doors and uh, someone came to me and said, you know, I think I need to be in the nursery. You know, I need to use my gift. And uh, that was really great because, like I said, I, I made no announcement. That was purely the Spirit of God working in someone's heart. And so praise God for that. Pray for more because uh, there are needs here. Uh, and, and pray, ask God to search your heart and to show you uh, how it is that you can serve, how it is that you can use your gift because it's going to take all of us. But this morning we're going to hone in on what is this common mission? What is our common mission uh, that we need to be united in. And I think it's helpful at this point for me to read for you, by way of reminder, our mission statement as a church. It goes like this. Fishkill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making and growing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we have a, a vision statement as well that, that undergirds this. And the purpose of our vision statement is to clarify how it is that we're going to seek to accomplish this mission. And the relevant portion of that vision statement is this for this morning. We will become a discipling church that cultivates a heart for evangelism, developing leaders who equip the congregation to be a witness in their community and to the ends of the earth. If we're to become a discipling church, we've got to ask ourselves two questions. First, what is discipleship anyway? What is discipleship? And two, whose job is it? What is discipleship and whose job is it? To answer these questions, we're going to look at the Great Commission, a a verse, a passage that likely, hopefully, is familiar to many of us. It's found at the very end of Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20. So grab your Bibles. We're going to get to work, and I invite you to stand, if you're able, out of reverence for God's word. So let's read together. 
And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, shine the light of your word on our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, till the soil of our hearts, soften it, that we may hear and that we may receive your word with joy and gladness. Change us this morning, Lord, as we spend time under your word. Show us how to live more faithfully. Convict us, Lord, for uh, how we may need to change, make changes in our lives to live more faithfully. And Father, may we be a joyful people, knowing that we have a great God who loves us and wants to involve us in his mission to reach the nations. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So I've got three points this morning, and the three points will revolve around three of the primary verbs here in the text, make, baptize, and teach. Make, baptize, and teach. So first, make disciples. What is a disciple? That's our, that's our question. A disciple is simple. It's someone who follows Jesus. It's someone who follows Jesus. This is why our mission statement states that we will make and grow fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It's just another way of saying disciple. It's another way of saying we want to make disciples. But it's helpful because disciple isn't a word we use commonly in our day-to-day interactions with people. People understand followers. We know what it means to follow someone. So we follow Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. And one error that many make with respect to the Great Commission is that it becomes all about getting people to pray a prayer or to make a decision. And the problem with this is, this is that someone could theoretically say a prayer or check a box on a card indicating that they've made a certain decision. But if that's all that the Great Commission is, then we're missing something. We're missing out. We're missing the point. It's not about purely accumulating converts. If we are only making converts, then we are only partially obeying this command. And partial obedience is disobedience. We've identified to this point that a disciple is a follower. But what does this look like to follow Jesus? To answer this question, Jesus says this in Luke's gospel, Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus, he's not saying that his followers must be willing to endure hard times. He's saying the cross means dying. It means dying. The cross is not about suffering difficulty, although that's part of it. It's primarily about dying. It means that we give up our rights to Jesus, 
to show how uh, we, we really need to live, to, to embrace his design for our lives. And that means laying down our own desires for our lives, for something better, for what Jesus wants. So when we make disciples, we're, we're bidding people to come and die. We're bidding people to come and die to their old way of living under their own destructive authority. That's what that leads to. That's, that's essentially what sin is. It's, it's living under your own authority. You are your, your authority, uh, and that authority is inherently in rebellion to God. And to live that way will, will only end in, in destructive, uh, destructive things, primarily and eternally, uh, the judgment of hell. And so we lay that down to live for Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. We lay that down. Some are under the impression that there are perhaps different levels of discipleship, that there is the, uh, the average, ordinary uh, disciple or Christian who occupies a pew week in and week out, and maybe they read their Bible uh, a couple of times throughout the week, and, and maybe they're in a, uh, a small group, but largely their lives look no different than the rest of the world. And there are, there's another level the, that we think of sometimes that there are some really committed disciples who they're really sold out for Jesus. They go on missions trips. They, uh, they, they give their lives to go to jars or to translate uh, Bibles into the heart languages of people. Uh, those, that's just another level, right? Uh, they lead Bible studies. They share the gospel with others. Uh, and we can sometimes rationalize why this is not us by saying things like, oh, well, that's their gift. Okay, they're, that's just what they're good at. Um, so they can stay in their lane, I'll stay in my lane, and, and we'll all be happy because that's their gift. And then, and then there's really super disciples who serve Jesus vocationally. You know, there's uh, pastors and missionaries, and that's just, you know, next level stuff right there. Uh, but understand this, there aren't degrees of dying. You're either dead or you're not. You're not a little bit dead or partially dead. You're either dead or you're not dead. And you, you can be a faithful follower of Jesus who dies to themselves and be a middle school student, a bus driver, a garbage man, an executive, a homemaker, or fill in the blank with whatever it is that, that uh, clarifies your, your role in this life. The call to follow Jesus is a call to die to yourself no matter what you do for a living. And this brings us to our next point. Baptize disciples. We make disciples. We baptize disciples. The meaning of baptism develops out of the meaning of discipleship. Because baptism is a picture of the unseen reality of your death to self and your new life in Christ. So baptism is, is inextricably linked to what it means to be a disciple. Romans 6, 3-4 says, Yes, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. 
in order, in order that, that just as Christ, Christ was raised from the dead, dead by the glory of the Father, of the Father we, too, we too might walk in the newness of life. life. And in this way, your baptism is a declaration of the personal power of the gospel in your heart and in your life. When we baptize people in the tub behind me, that, that's communicating something that's already happened in someone's heart. It's pointing to an unseen reality that this person has died to themselves and is living for Jesus. They're a disciple. They're a follower. Another thing about baptism is that it's normative for every disciple. We see this in Acts 2.41 where we read, so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Those who believed the gospel, period, were baptized. Some used to to think this way, and, and I know that I did growing up that baptism was somehow a bigger commitment. There's following Jesus and then there's baptism. You know, and there's there's this idea or notion that I've got to be I got to be really ready for that. I got to be really committed for that. I can't just, you know, follow Jesus. I got to do something more. Uh, it's for those who are really serious about their faith. But the New Testament won't allow us to think like this. Baptism is basic. It's normative for all disciples because Jesus commands it. It's essential. So it's a matter of obedience. And we see also in Acts 2.41 that those who believed and were baptized were added that day. We might ask ourselves, added to what? The context makes it clear that they were added to the church. And this is especially clear when you look at the end of the chapter in verse 47 where it says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Their number, it's the church. It's the fellowship. Their number is a reference to the church, the fellowship of believers. And this is why we require baptism for someone to become a member of Fishkill Baptist Church. I touched on this last week in, in 1 Corinthians 12. It's clear that baptism not only unites you to Christ, but it also unites you to his body, the church. And so baptism is, is a declaration of, of the gospel's work in your heart and uniting you to Christ and to his church, the body. And our practice behind us uh, points to this reality. So to summarize this point, baptism is the normal first step of obedience for any and all disciples, followers of Jesus. Baptism is a declaration of the personal work of God in your heart through the gospel, and baptism identifies you with Jesus' body, the church. So if you claim to follow Christ and are holding out on getting baptized, come and talk to me about it. I'd love to help walk you through uh, overcoming whatever roadblocks there are for you that are keeping you from obeying this command of Jesus. So come talk to me. I'd love to help kind of understand your thinking and maybe untangle some things for you. Uh, but it's important because it's a matter uh, of, obe- of obeying Jesus so discipleship is a call 
to die to self and follow Jesus. And this includes obeying his command to be baptized upon your profession of faith. And I'll just say this, the, the elders have been talking about this. It's been a while since you've done a baptism. And there are some of you who are uh, ready. You've come and talked to me. Uh, and so we will be pursuing this. So hopefully we'll be filling this tub up soon. And we'll be getting some people wet. Amen? Uh, it's, it's been long enough, right? So let's, uh, let's be obedient to the Lord in that way. So come talk to me if you're interested in baptism. All right, final point this morning, teach disciples. So we've got make disciples, baptize disciples, teach disciples. Notice that Jesus says to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. You know what that Greek word for all means? I looked it up. It means all. Every. It's not complicated. And since Jesus commanded his followers to make disciples, then the, the work of disciple-making is for all his followers. This is not reserved for people who have a unique gift. It's for every follower of Jesus who have, who's received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you see that according to Jesus, to be a disciple means that you make and grow other disciples? inherent to following Jesus. It's what followers of Jesus do. This is the basic and most fundamental ministry of every follower of Jesus. You make disciples. Now I want you to imagine something with me. If we were to hire a really gifted evangelist and he was able to come in here and reach one person for Christ every day for a year. That'd be pretty incredible. You know, we'd, our church would grow by 365 people in the course of a year. Praise God for that. If that happened, that would be pretty amazing. But consider the difference if just one person made one disciple in a year. After a year, you'd have two disciples. It's pretty simple math, right? In the next year, those two disciples make two more disciples. So after two years, you've got four. You've got four disciples, four followers. Let, let me show you how this compares to the evangelist as he continues to reach another one person a day for another year and so on. Now, I'm not trying to say this is formulaic. This is really just trying to uh, illustrate for you a philosophy, right? Uh, regardless of how someone comes to Christ, we celebrate that, uh, whether it's through an evangelist or through making uh, disciples. Uh, but here, look at this on the, on the slide. By year 13, the evangelist reaching one person a day for 13 years will have reached 4,700 people for Christ. While disciples making disciples would make nearly 8,200 followers of Christ. If we simply just commit to trying to make one disciple every year, each one of us, uh, we'd, we'd double our church in a year. 
And again, it's not formulaic. I'm not trying to say, you know, you punch this in, you get this result every time. God is more mysterious than that. And he is the one who needs to work in hearts and stir people to repentance and faith. But the, the idea, again, is just to illustrate a philosophy that we want to make disciples who multiply, not just get conversions and boxes checked on a card. We want to make disciples. We want to teach people what it means to follow Jesus. And part of following Jesus is making disciples. Maybe the reason we don't see more conversions is because we need to do a better job discipling the converts we already have. I truly believe that we'd see more baptisms here on Sundays if more of us were committed to sharing the gospel Monday through Saturday. So how do we do this? How do we do this? We, we could continue to offer classes on evangelism like we did recently. I think there's value in that type of training. But consider this. What if discipleship was less institutional and more relational and more intentional? In other words, what if we spent less time talking about how to follow Christ and more time modeling for someone what it actually looks like to follow Christ. Uh, I am not a fisherman, uh, but I have a son who is really excited about fishing. So as a dad, I'm, I'm kind of a fish out of water, no pun intended, but I'm trying to learn about fishing and uh, for my son's sake, I, I, could, uh, I could read some books about fishing. I could take a class on fishing. I could buy some t-shirts about fishing and put some fishing bumper stickers on my car. Uh, I could even listen to more fishing music on the radio. I could, I could study the Greek word for fishing and memorize the ethical code of fishermen. But if I really want to learn how to fish, I'd find someone who knows how to fish and ask them to show me. Show me how to fish. Whose job is it to grow, to make and grow fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ? And this is, this is the landing point here. Making disciples is our job. It's your job. It's my job. It's the basic ministry of a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and this terrifies you. You think that I'm not ready to show someone else how to follow Jesus. I'm, I, I got my own issues. One, there's no imperfect or there's no perfect disciple. Uh, we've all got our, our hang-ups and our struggles. And part of discipling isn't to show someone how to live a perfect life. It's to show someone what it means to, to follow Jesus. And part of following Jesus means being real about our struggles. And what do we do when, when we struggle? What do we do when we fall? We run to Jesus. And to model that for another person, to say, hey, I'm not perfect I'm a beggar who's found bread, and I'm going to show you where to get the bread. And I'm going to show you Jesus. And in my hard days, when I struggle, and when I, when I fail, I run to Jesus. And that's what it looks like to follow. But maybe you don't feel like you're ready, and maybe that's because no one's ever shown you 
Maybe your next step is to, is to reach out to someone else and to say, hey, will you show me what it looks like to follow Jesus? Will you help me? Because I kind of feel stuck. I feel like I'm just occupying a, a spot in a pew on a Sunday, and it doesn't go much beyond that. And I want, you, I want you to know that Jesus wants more for you than that. And I want you to want more than that. So think about who is it uh, that I look up to, that I, I admire their faith and, and consider reaching out to them and saying, hey, will you show me what it looks like to walk, to walk with Jesus? If this is you, another, another way to go about this, shoot me an email. Shoot me an email. Say, hey, Pastor Mike, uh, I kind of you know, have realized that no one's ever really shown me how to walk with Jesus. Will you help me uh, find someone in the church to kind of pair me up with and... Um, and do that. So that's another way to go about it. Shoot me an email. Uh, maybe you're a veteran who's been following Jesus for years and you feel pretty confident that you could show someone else how to follow Jesus, but for whatever reason, um, you, you aren't. If this is you, reach out to me and shoot me an email. Let me know, hey, I'd be willing to show someone how to disciple, how, how to walk with Jesus. Uh, and I'll I'll do my best to play matchmaker, you know, fit people with, you know, others. Maybe you're a veteran and you're intimidated and you're, you're not, you've been walking with Jesus for some time uh, and you're just not sure that this is something you can do. I think there's great hope offered here at the end of Matthew, the very last words Jesus gives to his followers. This is not a mission that we're alone in. Sure, we've got one another in the body of Christ, but we've also got a great God. And he says to them, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In this work, Jesus is with you. He's with you. There, there's times when, you know, I've, I've met with people and, you know, just to be transparent, I feel like, wow, I am way over my head. <laughs> What, what are you doing, God? How, how is it that you've put me in this position? And, and I, I can't explain it, but the Lord gives me words. And he gives me wisdom. I just need to trust him. And, you know, I'm able uh, in these instances to look backwards and say, wow, not how smart am I, but how good is God? Because he gave me that. He's with us. He's with us in this work. He's with us when we share our faith. He's with us when we share the gospel. He's with us when we show others how to follow Jesus. This is an initiative that the elders are working on in an effort to become a church that makes disciples who make disciples. We want to form micro-discipleship groups. Uh, We think three is a good number where you commit to modeling and learning and practicing following Jesus together in a relational but intentional way. And we have some resources that we're using to do this that we can point you to. At the end of your time together, these three people could start three more micro-discipleship groups with others. And this may not look like much at first. We may even start with just one group. Who knows? Maybe more. I'd love to have more. Who knows? Maybe I'll talk to some people today on their way out and they'll say, hey, you know, let's get some micro groups going. 
It may not look like much at, at first. This may be under the radar. It may not draw much attention to itself. Who knows? But we need to start somewhere because doing nothing is not an option. Fishkill Baptist Church, let's be a church that makes disciples who make disciples. Let's take seriously the fact that it's, it's all of our job. It's something that's normal for the follower of Jesus to make disciples who make disciples. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this time and your word. God, stir in our hearts. Show us whether we need to be discipled or whether we need to be discipling someone else. God, whatever uh, fears are dormant in our hearts, may the light of the gospel, may the light of your word shine on them and, and expel them from our hearts. God, help us to be faithful, knowing that a follower of Jesus is not perfect, but we know who is. We have needs, and we know the, the only one who can satisfy those needs. It's you, Jesus. God, burden our hearts for this ministry. Burden our hearts for uh, reaching the lost in our community, but not just getting conversions and checked boxes and prayed prayers. But Father, may we be ready as a church to disciple, to show people what it looks like to walk with you, Jesus. Change us, Lord. Convict us. Help us to know a greater joy in obedience. Maybe some are here this morning or watching online and they've realized, hey, I've never been baptized. God, I pray that you would stir in their hearts and draw them, uh, that they would walk in obedience in that way. God, we love you. We ask your blessing on the remainder of this long weekend and, and further out. God, we pray that as we, as we go our way, as we spend time with family and friends perhaps this weekend, as we go back to our jobs on Tuesday, God, may we be a people who die to themselves and live for you, Jesus. The Apostle Paul put it so clearly when he said, for me to live is Christ." to die is gain. Father, help us be those uh, for whom we live for Christ. Whether we're a middle school student, a bus driver, an accountant, a missionary, or a pastor, help us to all die to ourselves every day that we may live for you, Christ, ever more passionately. God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.